0: Genesis chapter three, verse eight, and then also Judges chapter nine, verse eight. You have it? It reads there. The man whose wife hid themselves from the presence of the Lord God among the trees. Judges nine, eight reads, one day the trees went out to anoint a king for themselves. Father, we, we thank you and we ask, Lord God, that you continue to move in this place, Lord, and I pray for the, the hearer. Lord, And I ask that you'd open up the eyes of their understanding they would receive what you have for them, right where they're at, at their level, where they're at, and they'll walk with you. God, I believe that this is a vital message for each individual here. So I pray for blessings, I pray for anointing, in Jesus' name, amen. Well, God in Scripture all, often uses things that we kind of like don't see the significance of. He'll talk about uh, seed, things that we kind of understand. He'll use different uh, items, or whatever, arcs, water. But what I have found throughout Scripture is that he always he uses trees or vegetation to describe men or to describe what we're supposed to do. And because we're, we're all sophisticated men and women, we, we, we kind of, I think we miss it. And and, and you need to understand this, the trees, the animals, humans, we are all God's creation. Can we agree to that? And I had mentioned it briefly, uh, and I talked about it, I think um, one of the girls in a woman's home had had heard it, and somebody else, but, and I talked about how, the power, we're able to talk to things, like we could talk to the water, they've done scientific things where the, when you speak to the water, the water would become bitter or sweet. It would, it, would, it would improve the water. It was an amazing thing. Well, we know, anybody grow plants? My wife had a dying plant. I mean, this thing was dead. I said, bury it, it's no good. It's dead, it was just laying over dead. She goes, no, no. She got it, she put it in a new pot, and she talked to it. She goes, you're gonna rise up. And, I'm, you know, and I go, okay, my wife lost her mind. She's talking to a little plant. The next day, the plant stood straight up green. Because that's part of creation. And there, we have this uh, a power in us to, to do that. We can speak things. The Bible we can speak things into existence. So God always uses creation or things to, to describe what we're actually doing. And it's so clear, sometimes we look right by it. I know this, to achieve those things that God desires, one thing that you have to learn, you have to learn to endure. Never give up. If you you do anything in life, that's the key. Right there, endure. Right? The trait of not surrendering is the root of faith. Because it's in the middle of that pain where you want to give up, That faith is proven. Hmm? So I pray that your faith not waver. We all must learn from our trial and error, from our promise and blessing, to never give up. Never give up. Because along the path with your walk with Jesus, you're going to be asked to give up. To trade it all in. See, in the Garden of Eden, here we, we read the story, we know the story for the sake of time, we won't read the whole thing. But Adam and Eve blew it, Adam in particular blew it. And it says that the man and his wife hid themselves from the presence of the Lord among the trees. And we read past that, but we have to understand when people are hiding from God, that's where they go. They try to hide amongst God's creation. Now, could you imagine Adam? Here's God's presence. God's coming in, in, the, in Eve, and he tries to hide from God. He's hiding from God. So what does he do? He gets, his, he didn't imagine this being a big tree, and he's hiding. I don't think God can see me because I'm hiding amongst the trees. He can't see me, right? It's a kind of comical because, but that's basically what he was doing—hiding from God amongst the trees. Men do that, but we, don't, we, we no longer hide in, behind the trees. But men and women still hide among the trees, but they do it a little differently. They hide from God by smoking God's creation, injecting God's creation, drinking God's creation, vegetation. The trees. See, we're all creation. So the, the natural tendency when a person wants to hide from God, they're, they're going to run and hide in creation. Stay with me. Everything, everything with life is God's creation. Everything, right? From Adam, the day Adam sinned, man has been trying to hide amongst the trees. And again, those, those creation has, has been under constant attack uh, against man right and wants to dominate man creation why because what happened remember uh, before the sin adam was in charge after the sin he was no longer in charge because imagine it's like being at your job You ever been at a job and the boss is the boss right but he gets demoted and now he's lower than you how do you feel about it like yeah jack now what remember when you're talking now you can't do nothing you ain't acting no all bad no more well, that's what happened when man lost his position. Creation said, who you think you are? You're no longer in charge. Matter of fact, we're going to dominate you. It is a spiritual reality of this world, right? Like I said, I briefly mentioned, drug addiction is emblematic of creation's dominance over man. Creation. Beer is what? hops, herbs, you know, hops and, and, and barley and that's all God's creation. So it is, it is learned to dominate you. Heroin is the poppy, right? Cocaine is the leaf. See, just like Adam, people hide from God's presence amongst the trees. Amen? See, trees represent God's creation. Nature of, the, na- the nature, rather, of creation has an order. There's an order of things. Nature. If you look at nature, you look at a wild kingdom. Some rule, some submit. You ever see that? Yeah, the king of the beasts, the lion, walking around, right? It rules, and the little antelope, they submit. Right? Some are hunters, while others are hunted. That's just the way of nature, and things don't change. That is the world we live in. So what will you give up? That's my question. Because whether you know it or not, whether you like it or not, the enemy of your soul wants to dominate you. Wants to control you. Wants to tell you what to do. And he uses its cohorts, creation, to do it. The devil doesn't come to you with a pitchfork and, you know, and, and horns and say, you're going to serve me. No, oh, no, no. He comes real slick. He comes in the form of a tree. This tree may be in a long dress showing its limb. But it's coming to dominate you. Are you with me? You trees, you. See, create, creation is always trying to dominate you. The trick is if you're a man of, world of God, you cannot let creation dominate you. Especially when creation walks up to you with tight jeans. Stay with me. Are you you still listening? See, creation teaches us that everyone has a master. Now, let's get back to it. Every one of us has a master. My master, I've chosen, is the Lord. He is my Lord and Savior. He is my master. Because I've chosen, I said, God, I want you to be my master. Now, if you haven't done that and you're not doing it, don't, don't worry about it. You have a master. You may recognize it, most fail to recognize it, but you're going to have a master. That's just the nature of things. You can't avoid it. The, na- the master could be your spouse. The master could be your, your job. The master could be even your, whatever you put in the position of the throne could, will be your master. So my question here is that we understand that what kingdom will call and ask you to be their king? Because what it is Though we have masters, everybody wants to be the king of their castle. You ever heard that? I'm the king of my castle. Everybody wants to be in charge of their life. So they're fooled to think you're in charge of my life. Like if I say, you know, I'm a pastor. You know, you shouldn't be drinking. You can't tell me what to? I'm a man. I'm in charge of my life. Oh, no, you're not. I'm trying to give you some advice because something's dominating you. But, yeah, you can do what you want to do. You have a master. Your master may be King Budweiser. He said he's the king of beards, right? He's also your king. It could be a lot of things, right? But as you walk in Christ, somebody or something's gonna ask you, I'll let you be king. It'll fool you. So the premise, listen, the premise of this message is that everybody wants to be king, in charge of their life. I'm in charge. I'm I'm el mero mero. I'm the one and only, right? If you think about it, the fall of Lucifer, the worship leader of heaven, is rooted in his desire to be king. He wanted to be in charge. Eve taking the fruit is deep seated in her desire to rule her destiny. She wanted to know what was going on and she wanted to be in charge. To this day, women still want to be in charge, but that's another message. The temptation of Jesus is embedded in ruling all the kingdoms of the world. Took it to the top. Jesus, you don't have to go to the cross. Just bow to me and I'll make you king. You see the picture. And all of us have to face that type of situation in our life. One way or another. Something going to offer you the opportunity to be king. Huh? And it's all intended to keep you away from walking with the Lord the way he intended. Right? So go ahead and look at your neighbor and say, You will be offered to be king. That's right. Uh Uh-oh. See, Jesus astonishes the crowd when he answers the question, what must a person do to follow Jesus? Remember that story? Very interesting story in Luke chapter 14. Let's all turn there real quickly. Large crowds were traveling with Jesus and turning to them and said, if anyone comes to me and does not hate his father, mother, his wife, his children, brothers, sisters, even his own life, he cannot be my disciple. And anyone who does not carry his cross and follow me cannot be my disciple. Whoa. That's heavy. Did you just hear what I just wrote? Or am I just read? I didn't write it. I wrote it. I I read it, right? See, this is very contrary to the Kumbaya Christianity heard today. You can't preach this kind of stuff in most churches because it's offensive. So I'm not really preaching. I'm just reading the scripture. Right? This is definitely not a a seeker-friendly message that Jesus said. So he continues his answer. He said, because the guy was real simple, what must I do to follow Jesus? And then he goes, suppose one in verse 28 of Luke 14 wants to build a tower, will he not first sit down and estimate the cost? Or suppose a king is about to go to war against another king, will he not first sit down and consider whether he's able with 10,000 men to oppose one against him who's coming with 20,000? Verse 33, in the same way, Here's Jesus again speaking. Anyone who does not give up everything he has cannot be my disciple. Oh my goodness! See now we now we begin to think. What does that mean?
1: Give up everything?
0: It doesn't mean you sell your house, you get rid of your car. You don't, no, no, it doesn't mean that. But it, it, what it does mean is everything else is secondary to what God has called you to do. In fact, He may use your house, your car, your career, whatever, to do what He's called you to do. Do you see the picture? See, this, these type of marching orders convict the uncommitted. And those people who said, I know I have a call in my life, those people, when they hear these types of scriptures and they read it, they run to the computer to put their resume on monster.com so they can figure a way out of God's call. Because now God is getting deep. Now, if you don't get what I'm saying, it's cool because you ain't there yet. But you will be. Hello, is anybody still here? Think about it. He's saying, estimate the cost. You want to follow me? Jesus Jesus is saying, you want to follow me? Estimate the cost. You want to follow me? Consider whether you are able. You want to follow me? Give up your desires for mine. That's what he's saying. Now, here's the good news. Because whether you like it or not, you're you're going to submit to something. The good news is this. If you submit to Jesus, you will never submit to anything the devil or the world has to offer. That's the good news. See, because God has a plan for you, a plan of good plan. The world will lie to you and put a nice picture on it, make it look good. You know know how these, these lying commercials, I used to always crack up. You know, now they don't do it so much. When I was growing up, they used to have this commercial, Black Velvet. You ever heard of Black Velvet? It's, a, it's a, an alcohol drink, an alcoholic drink. They would have black velvet, and they did it. They, they would do it nice. They'd have this beautiful girl, oh, I mean, pretty, beautiful girl with a long black velvet dress, and she's holding black velvet. Wow, that's so, I, I got to get black velvet. But they don't show that same girl the next day after she's been drunk, have a hangover, or wrecked her car in a DUI, or raped while she's drunk. They don't show that part. They just show black velvet. See, that's how the world does it. Huh? He'll, he'll, he'll give you something and make it look good, but it is not good for you. Jesus will tell you from, estimate the cost. Can you do it? Now that takes me to the, the main crux of the message Judges chapter 9. Let's all turn there. <coughs> I hope I can get this in. Verse eighteen reads: One day the trees went out to anoint a king for themselves. They said to the olive tree, "Be our king." But the olive tree answered, "Should I give up my oil, by which both gods and men are honored, to hold sway over trees?" Next, the tree said to the fig tree, "Come and be our king." But the fig tree replied, "Should I give up my fruit, so good and sweet, to hold sway over the trees?" Then the tree said to the vine, "Come and be our king." But the vine answered, should I give up my wine which cheers both gods and men to hold sway over trees? Finally, the tree said to the thorn bush, come and be our king. The thorn bush said to the trees, if you really want to anoint me, king, come take refuge in my shade. Now the olive tree is frequently mentioned in scripture. It thrives in good sunlight. It grows in rocky calcium fills soils. The trunk is knotty and gnarled. The bark is has a smooth uh, color. Its growth is slow, but it lives very long. The leaves are gray, and, and when you look at an olive tree, it doesn't look like a beautiful tree. It looks like a rugged tree, tenacious. It's not a very attractive tree. It looks like it's been beat up. The olive tree is named among the blessings of the good land. We all hear about the o- the oil. I am like an olive tree flourishing in the house of God. I trust in God, unfailing love forever and ever. The olive tree is wild by nature. It grows best when it's left alone. Wild. Skilled men nurture its tree. Timely women prunes the tree in season. A wise man tames the tree. The olive tree is referred to as an emblem of prosperity. I'm like a tree, a green olive tree. See, God is using a a symbol for us—the fig tree. The fig tree is mentioned frequently in the Scripture. Fig trees are usually medium high, about 10 to 15 feet tall. The the summer foliage is thick, and they have broad, broad leaves. It's a real dense, dense shade. I had—we used to have a fig tree in my neighborhood, and the leaves are big, and they're real thick. You can almost like—you have to put some effort to rip the leaves. Amen. It's common to have a fig tree overhanging where you live, especially in those areas, because a fig tree would keep you cool. Fortunately, God told Adam and Eve to use fig leaves to cover themselves, because they were broad. Good thing they didn't tell them to go to the pine tree. In verse 7, stay with me. It says there that the eyes of both were open, and they realized they were naked, so they sewed fig leaves together. The fig tree is mentioned as one of the most valuable products in Palestine figs figs were a sign of peace and prosperity when you had a fig tree you had it going on now the vine the vine is one of the most important products in Palestine very important the first mention of it is, is back in Noah's time in Genesis 9:20 it's mentioned in the old testament and the new testament the vine the jews cultivated it very early in history It was cultivated in Palestine before the Israelites took possession of the promised land. In fact, it was one of the grapevines. They said the grapevine attracted the Jews to want to go to the promised land. Hmm? The vine. The vine is a picture of love and beauty. Now we see the olive tree, the fig tree, and the vine. Right? I propose to you that the vine, the fig, and the olive tree represent distinct stages in a Christian's walk. I just put this out here. He's trying to tell us something. And every time you read about the vine, he's talking about a certain level. When he's talking about the fig, he's talking about a different level. And when he's talking about the olive, he's talking about another level. And in this room represents three different levels of Christianity. At each stage, during your crisis of belief, you'll be asked to submit to the world's pool. The world will say, Come. And be our king and come over and rule over the trees. What is trees? It could be anything that your heart's desire, but it's not following God. Come! See, each stage of one's spirituality is amplified when you're going through a crisis of belief. And if you're at the great stage, cool. But, but you'll be offered. If you have the fig tree, you'll be offered. Different stages. I'm going to get to the stages real quickly. But you need to understand what I'm trying to teach you here. Sammy Chan described a sim- something very similar to each level. Sami Chan is a professor, doctor, uh, leadership guru. Great man. And he said, and he talked about a concept of the pain threshold. And he says the, the, the strength or the the. the, the the prosperity of one's business or one's ministry whatever you're in charge of is can only is, is only determined by, by the amount of pain you can handle the more pain you can handle pain the greater the blessing the ministry or the business you will get When people stop growing, it's because they're tired of the pain. I can't take the pain anymore. And there you've determined where you are. Behavioralists call it, you've reached the Peter principle. You petered out. That's it. That's it. That's all you're going to grow. But you determine. It's not God. It's you. Right? Should I give up? Should I stop my spiritual progression? Should I limit my anointing or worse? Should I give up on my anointing? Should I give up on the call of God? Should I give up on this walk? Because listen, my friend, there's going to come points, there has to come points in your life where you will have a crisis of belief whether or not God is worth it. And that will happen at every level. Should I give up? The vine. Let's go back to the vine. What makes the vine so special? Right there, it's drink. It's able to, to provide something. The grape must be crushed to produce the drink. The Bible says, Jesus is the vine, we are the branches, right? Now, if we remain the vine, it also says, we will produce fruit. So, there, there's nothing that you have to do. When, I, when he's talking about fruit, he's talking about internal things. Something that's happening, you change. If you remain in the vine, you just hook to your vine... And because you're tied to Jesus, you have to really do nothing other than be faithful and come to church and listen to the word. You will change. Because you're remaining in the what? In the vine. They even write songs about that. Abiding in the vine. Abiding in the vine. Love, joy, peace. He has made the mine. I have prosperity, power, and victory. Abiding, abiding in the vine. So all you got to do is what? Abide in the vine. Nothing. Huh? John 15, 15, I am the vine, you are the branches. If a man remains in me and I in him, he will bear much fruit. Apart from me, you can do nothing. Now here's the thing about a vine or a grape. It takes no effort to crush a grape. In fact, we use that term as a weakling. Oh, that brother, he's so weak, he can't even bust a grape. You ever say that? So you you get a grape, about it. There's nothing on you know, anybody. So, what I'm saying, abiding the vine takes no effort from you. You're just abiding the vine. But in that process of that simple Christianity, abiding the vine, you're doing nothing, you're not even busting the grape, the enemy will come. The world will offer you a kingdom. Oh, you don't want to be in that church. In fact, I have a better offer. But you gotta leave the church because now I need to take you across country to start another business. I gotta do, go to school, you gotta do a lot of things. But you know, but God had you in that vine for a reason, but now there's I got something better for you. Come with me. Huh? Come with me to the cow's bar. See, one day the trees went out to anoint a king for themselves. Judges 9:12 reads, they said the trees said to the vine, remember the trees are creation, the tree could be your wife creation. could be anybody, your boss. The trees said to the vine, come to be our king. But the vine answered, should I give up my wine? Which cheers both God and men to hold sway over trees? Should I give it up? In essence, he said, will I hide from the presence of God among the trees? Same thing Adam did. Will I hide? So the natural response like Adam is to go for it. Because it'll, it'll look good. It'll be beneficial up front. It looks great. It's the black velvet of your life. You want to do it? Or will you re- remain in the vine? Will you stay in church? That's basically the question. And as in the vine, all we do is abide. You don't do nothing. Once you've made that step, that test, if you will, and it'll be a pain threshold, then you go to the next level. The fig tree. Maybe, I don't know, look some of you in the vines. Some of you might be in the fig tree. Now, the fig tree is a little different. Mark 11 describes the, uh, the, uh, to the disciples living in Bethany a very interesting story. Jesus was hungry. Jesus sees a fig tree, and he went to see if the fig tree had any fruit in it. See, if, you're, if you went to that next level, you're more than abiding in a vine. You went to the next level. Right, One day Jesus is going to come looking at you and say, okay, what kind of fruit you got? Now, when he's talking this fruit, he's not talking about the, the, the busting the grapefruit. He's talking about, what have you done for me? Where's, where's the return on my investment? Right, I, I gave you a talent. What happened? What did you do with the talent? All you do with the talent is just for yourself. What about for my kingdom? He's going to begin to look at you in a different manner. It's no longer busting a grape. Where's, where's my fruit? Because Jesus is hungry. But what does meat? mean? The Bible says, My meat, his hunger, his meat is to, to, to do the will of the Father. So he's gonna come at you and look for some fruit. Jesus seized the tree and went to find it, and it had didn't have any fruit. Why? Well, found nothing. But here's the catch. It wasn't supposed to have fruit. The fig tree was out of season. So he found a fig tree with no true fruit because there's not season. It was not there. But what did Jesus do, which blew everybody's mind? This tree has no fruit. Now, you imagine the farmers, the fig tree owners say, well, well, duh, it's not time yet. It's like looking for an orange in winter, right, in Alaska. There ain't no, no oranges here. When Jesus comes looking, he don't care what the weather says. He wants fruit. He looks at the fig tree and says, there's no fruit? You're cursed. He cursed the fig tree. For not having fruit when it's not supposed to have fruit. Wow. He says this, may no one ever eat fruit from you again. What makes a fig tree so special? It's fruit. Huh? See, at this next stage, we're like a fig tree. Here's the challenge. We must be ready in and out of season. What does that mean? We have to be at a point where when, when God says, I need you to talk to that person at the shell gas station, go do it. Don't say, well, I haven't studied that verse yet, God. And, you know, I, have been, I haven't been saved that long enough. If God begins to say, I need some fruit for you, I need you to start doing something, now you got to start doing it. And what happens, this normally happens is a stage that people go through, they don't do it, they're afraid. They let their insecurities other things keep them from producing the fruit that God wants, so they get all convicted then they come to a service like this, like I'm right now, and I'm preaching this. And I'm I'm adding to your conviction, you're oh my goodness, I came to church to feel better. Now I already feel bad for not talking to that person at the store. And now the pastor's telling me I gotta produce fruit. Oh my God. Are you with me? In the middle of that, somebody's gonna make you an offer. Huh? See, being ready in and out of season represents commitment. Are you committed? Are you really committed? Because if you if you're, if you're committed, then you will be ready in and out of season. If you're a, a, you know, a, a lack, lackadaisical believer, if you're a sometimes comer, we call them Sunday morning glories, maybe that's pretty cool for some, but if it, that, that is a, a, not a committed person. You're probably still at the grape over here, barely busting grapes. But God wants to get you, he wants to grow you up, because he needs some fruit. He wants to get you the fig tree. But to be a fig tree, you say, you got to say, "I'm going to be committed," right? You want to get to the next level. Hello, is anybody here? See, Jesus is hungry. He's hungry for souls. Huh? It reads at Luke thirteen nine. I mean thirteen five through nine. I tell you no. But unless you repent, you too will perish. Then he told the parable. A man had a fig tree planted in his vineyard and he went to look for the fruit on it but did not find any. So he said to the man who took care of the vineyard for three years now, I've been coming looking for fruit on this fig tree and haven't found any. Cut it down. Why, why should I it's use up any soil? Check out what Jesus said. Why? That fig tree doesn't even deserve soil. Cut it down. Now here's a pastor's heart. But sir, let me leave it alone for one more year. And then I'll, I'll dig around the tree. And I'll fertilize it. And if it doesn't give you fruit next year, well, then we can cut it down. That's what pastors always do. I have to learn to only do it one year. Sometimes I do it like two, three, four years. I've got to cut it down after one year. Right? So, so what does that mean? As a pastor, my job is to go around you, get, get closer. I've got to get close to the tree, the fig tree. And dig this, he Dig the dirt around it. And they said, I'm going to put fertilizer. Well, you know what fertilizer is? It's like that, the name of my, my wife's Spice, right? I can't tell you the name. But it's like fertilizer. It's <laughs> manure. Animal manure. Right? So, you ever feel like manure's falling on your life? Come on now. Like, man, things ain't going right. Oh, man, it's like just boom, boom. Just maybe. God's got... His Holy Ghost pastor digging the dirt around your tree because he wants you to produce fruit. Every good soil needs a little bit of dookie in its life. Huh? That's right. You ain't good soil unless you got some. You ever go out there, smell that good soil? Mmm, yummy, huh? But see, that, that makes a believer. If you're always smelling like perfume, you're a fake and a fraud. But believers smell like poo-poo sometimes. Why? Because they're in it. They're knee-deep. Hello, someone. Why? Because God is dealing with you. God is dealing with Come on, man, we're so messed up. God has to deal with us. He has to change us. He has to rock our world. Why? Because he wants us to produce fruit. But no, some Christians, no, leave me alone. I'm going to go back to the grape. Because over here, I don't even have to bust the grape. So believe me, I don't want to produce fruit. See, there we have levels of discrepancies in scripture. The grapes see scripture in a whole different term. No, I'm just abiding the vine. Oh, kumbaya, Jesus. The fig tree said, no, we're not, we're not just abiding the vine, man. Come on, we gotta do something. We gotta work. We gotta, we gotta produce fruit. That's a fig tree. And then you have discrepancies in, in scripture understanding. It's not a discrepancy, it's different levels of understanding. Are you producing fruit? Unlike the, the vine, we must fertilize, fertilize ourselves at times. you never disturb a young tree while it's starting new growth in spring because it's likely to kill it. But you have to grow. And here we see the story. One day the trees went out to anoint a king for themselves. Come and be a king. But the fig tree replied, should I give up my fruit so good and sweet, sweet to hold sway over the tree? Should I give up what I'm doing? Will you... If you're at the fig tree, when you're at your crisis of belief, when somebody's finally dealing with you, finally telling you, you can't act that way, you have to change. When you're finally getting it, are you going to go, Oh, man, I got an offer. I can't refuse. <laughs> what are you going to do? Because you're going to have that opportunity. Everybody has that opportunity, right? Then we have the olive tree. I'm coming in for land. I'm getting close. See, what makes the olive so special is its oil. Olive oil. That stuff's good stuff. There's nothing wrong with olive oil. You can't find anything harmful of olive oil. It's great for you. Right? It produces. Now listen. To produce an olive. We're not talking about the oil. To produce one olive. Like, are you planting a tree today? Don't stick around. Because to produce one olive, the first olive takes 12 to 15 years. So you plant that tree, you go, I got an olive tree. Well, you better plant it for your kids because you ain't going to get none. 12 to 15 years, you plant the tree. So God says, I'm gonna, you're coming from the fig level to the olive tree. You go, I want the anointing. Well, good, stick around 12 to 15 years. Then we'll start. It doesn't start before that. It gets you to the stage but you're just you're just a new sapling, huh? Twelve to fifteen years for one fruit—that's amazing. Once the fruit comes, then you have to do something to the olive to make it become oil. So some, if they withstand the temptation to quit the fine and the fig stage, huh? They have the opportunity to walk towards the olive tree. Now some of you are just beginning to show tr- fruit. Maybe you you're, you're at that point where God says, you're in the, you're going to be an olive. You're, you're, you're that time. and Maybe you've been a while walking with the Lord and, and so you're producing a fruit. Right? Sammy Chan, remember? Sami Chan, I said, the strength of your business or your ministry is determined by your pain threshold. The more pain you can handle, the greater your business, the greater your, your, your ministry, the greater your education. Why? Because everything is pressure. You know how much pressure it is to try to get a doctorate? It's like they kill you. They put you on the table and sacrifice you. Why? Because the pressure, the more you take, that's why people quit. I can't even do a bachelor. I give up after a bachelor. You know, they think of the master. I can't do a master. My wife said, I go, go for a doctorate. No, right? I tell Anthony, he got his master. Now it's time to go for a doctorate. Pain threshold. So determine based on your pain threshold will determine how far you go on anything. I kind of like pain. That's why I got two masters and a doctorate, right? I'm I'm a a painaholic. So, the olive tree. It has to go through pain. For one to receive the anointing of oil, you have to go through a simple process. You have to be crushed. Crushed. See, if you're not willing to be crushed, then don't expect the type of anointing that God really has for you and wants to give to you. But the only way to get that type of anointing, you have to be crushed and handle it. You don't have to like it. In fact, if you like it, it's something wrong with you, you ain't gonna like it. But we're talking about an anointing that God wants to put on a man or a woman who's willing to be crushed, because it is that anointing that breaks the yoke of bondage. It's that anointing who sets the captives free. It's that anointing that is needed this day and age to come back the forces of w- wickedness. It's that anointing. Not some fake kumbaya, let's sing about Jesus uh, a, a prayer. Not some, oh, well, look at me, I'm so fruitful, and look at my business, and look at my, well, oh, that's cool too. But if we need people that want an anointing, anointing. See, most believers misrepresent the anointing of God. They say, well, I accept Jesus into my heart and I have his anointing. Shut up. No, you don't. You just walked into the game, my friend. Let's see how much pain, how much discipleship, how much much commitment you have before you start talking anointing. And after you've done it for 12 to 15 years, then let's get busy. Come over here. Come on. I like that. Come on, Clem. Come on, Clem. You're walking over, but you're limping back. Because that's what it takes. Huh? So, in that time, you've been a great fig. And some of you might just stay in the, the vine. Go ahead. That's cool. We love you. And that's good. But don't expect to have the same results as someone who's in victory. Now, some of you might be figs. Great. We love the fruit. We love everything about you. That's one we, we need a lot of fig trees, a lot of wine, very multiple. But don't expect you to have the same results as the one who goes to the olive tree. Huh? It's a little different. Judges 8, 9, 8 reads, Be our king, but the olive tree answered, Should I give up my oil, by which both gods and men are honored, to hold sway over, over trees? Should I give up my oil? And essence, will I hide from the presence of God amongst the trees? See, an interesting fact as I come in for a landing, the Garden of Gethsemane, God is so precise in how he writes and what he does that it's so in plain sight that we look past it. The Garden of Gethsemane was not just a garden, it was an olive grove. And it was not just an olive grove, In the middle where Jesus, remember he was praying, the Bible says he was praying and he was in such anguish that the sweat became blood. Scientists have proven that if a person under enough stress, it will cause the capillaries of their head, the smallest and the finest capillaries in their head, to burst and give the appearance that one is sweating blood. But it's not sweating blood, it's the pressure. was so great that the capillaries, Popped in his head. And he's at the, in the olive grove, where the anointing exists. And right next to him was a device called an olive press. An olive press was an ancient tool used. And it had a rock, a round rock with a hole. And they would have a large, large uh, piece of wood sticking out of it. And they would push this rock in in a bowl like Surface, and they would push it around. And as they pushed this heavy stone around, which often took three men to push the rock in a circle, it would begin to crush the olives. And it would crush them and crush them and crush them. But out the bottom, out the bottom, would come that precious, precious oil. The oil that they would use to heal the wounds. The oil that they would use to, 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 to treat um, stomach problems. The, oil they, the same oil they would use to f- for rash and heat to protect them from the sun. The same oil they would use to cook their food that made it taste so delicious. The same oil. It took that crushing of the olive tree. And here is Jesus next to the olive press being crushed. Why? Because he had a world to save. And it took God being crushed. It took that anointing to, to get things going. It just, that just turned on the switch. That's why the Bible says Jesus is the first fruit. You ever heard that? He's the first fruit. He's not the grape. He is the vine. He is not the fig. He is the producer of figs. But he is the anointing. He was the crushed one. He is the first fruit. Meaning, the implication there is, there are many other fruits to come. There are many people in history who have been crushed to the point where they've established ministries all over the world. Listen, my friend. That man was crushed to establish Victor Archer International. You don't know the pain he went through. We know the pain he went through. And he had to be crushed. And he took it. He took it for me, and I'm, I'm grateful to that. See, we need a few. I don't need a lot. I don't expect all of you, but there's some of you. I don't care if it's first day here that you're called, but you've been running around. You accepted an offer at your grape level, your vine level, at your fig level. You accepted an offer, and you said, I'm going to do this for Jesus, and Jesus had no intention for you to do that. He wanted to make you an olive. He wanted to make, give you an anointing. But no, you settled. You settled for hiding amongst the trees. For ruling over your kingdom. I am the king. I am the king of carpets. Al Loma's carpet cleaning. I am the king. Hello, someone. Let's close. Somebody say close with anything. One day the trees went out to anoint themselves a king. Verse fourteen of Judges nine. Finally, check us out. Finally, I think he moved. Finally, say finally. finally. The, all the trees said to the thorn bush, the thorn bush, come and be our king. The thorn bush said to the trees, if you really want to anoint me king over you. Come and take refuge in my shade. Oh, that is so heavy. The thorn bushes are heavy, heavy. God always uses different bushes. The thorn bush. See, Luke 8, 13 reads like this. The seed, meaning the word of God, fell among the thorns. It stands for those, listen. The thorns stand for those who hear. But as they go on their way, they are choked by life's worries, one way, that's the lowest common denominator. The next, riches, ooh, money, 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 money. Some people got to have it, hey, hey. Some people, they, they're choked off or, then it says, pleasure, pleasure, huh? don't 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 can't take that, right there, they go for their pleasures. What, that's the thorn. So at every level, you're offered them in the thorn bush. Do you want to come? You wanna get away from that calling so it doesn't bother you no more? That preacher's preaching too hard? You want to get away from, from this Christianity? You don't have to live like that. Like, just come over here with me. The seed is those who chose the pleasures of the world, the riches, and the worries. Huh? Hebrews Hebrews 6:8 reads: But land that produces thorns and thistles is worthless. And is in danger of being cursed. In the end, it'll be burned. Remember I said, God is so upfront that we look right past it. Galatians 6, 8 tells me this. Let us not get weary in doing good. I don't care where you're at. For at the proper time, we will reap a harvest if we do not give up. You have to have the ability to endure at every level. Otherwise, you'll just be in here one day and you'll be good for a little while. Then I'll say, what happened to brother so-and-so? What happened to sister? And then they're going to go out there and they're not going to say what they're doing that caused them to pull away. They'll, but they'll blame me or Victor Irish or something else. They'll never take responsibility. It's always us. And we're just trying to do the right thing. And they fade away. Try to justify the good they're doing. But they've, they're hiding from the presence of the Lord amongst the trees. Amongst the trees. I'm going to end with this. I almost opened up with this. The movie Rudy. Who's seen the movie Rudy? Rudy. True story. Now my favorite movie is The Godfather. But my most inspirational movie is this one. I mean, I, um, I wept. I go, man, this is a great movie. The first time I seen it, I was blown away. Rudy grew up in a steel mill town where most people just ended up working in the steel mill. He was a little kid. And he had this dream. He wanted to play football for Notre Dame. What a dream. But he had a couple problems. First, he was not that smart. He had low grades. He couldn't, he couldn't cut the mustard educationally. Second... He had poor athletic skills. He wasn't a ball player. Huh? Third, probably the hardest one, he was half the size of everybody else on the team. But he had a dream. And so he would work there for Notre Dame, and it's amazing. They made him the water boy. Man, he was like the best water boy. They, make, they made him the ter- carry towels. He was like the greatest towel carrier. He didn't care. He had a dream, and he never gave in to it. Finally, one day, they needed a tackle dummy. They, they needed somebody to stand there so that they could practice a, 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 a play, and they would just beat him. Boom. And he'd get up, and the guys were so big. They liked Rudy. He was a good guy. They go, I can't do that. I can't hit him, man. Look, at he's too little. I can't hit him. Rudy grabs the guy and goes, listen, I'm here to make you better. You better hit me like I'm, I'm, he named the team. You better hit me and hit me right because you gotta do better. You better hit me. And he's yelling at him. And he stands there at maybe five foot seven. And this guy, six foot three, 235 pounds, knocks him to the ground. He gets back up. And the next one knocks him down. He keeps like, oh my, this guy's heavy. This guy's heavy. See, Rudy succeeded because he never. Never gave into his trials. He never gave up. Rudy endured. See, Rudy, that's my hero. He never gave up. So many people come to Jesus, love Jesus, want to do something. They walk now, they cry here, and they say, I need to change. And the first little offer, you go, you know, yeah. I'm getting too deep in church. I'm only going to go to church maybe once a month because it's too deep. Maybe I'll, every now and then I'll bust a grape. I'll come to church once in a while. Here I come. Sister. Come on. We need people that are going to be figs. Get to the next level. Then once you're used to being a fig and producing fruit, Huh? When you're ready, God will tell you, and you'll know. He'll work with you. Understand this. Figs, it takes 10 to 15 years for a fig tree to to go to maturity. God has no hurry. The grape, now here's the difference about a grape. The grape comes to maturity in one year. After one year, you're ready for the next one. But most people don't go to the next one. They take more than one year because they like the fig. Why? Because they see the commitment. Oh, I ain't going over there. I don't want to be a fig. Let me just be a pfft, pfft. great. And that is the culture of most churches. Pfft. Not this church. We're going to have to be figs. We're going to have to. And some of you, not all, very few of you. In fact, I'm going you in. Very few of you are going to ever come to the olive tree level. But those who come, why do you think if you come to Victor Arch, some people think it odd. they come to Victor Arch and, and we always place our elders, multi regional, in a place of honor. We don't take the front rows. We, we give them to them as honor. Why? Because we understand they didn't get there by, by education. They had to be crushed. We understand what It took for them to get to that position. And so we just, that's your position. Huh? Crushed. Crushed. Very few will get there. Well, I'll be gl- glad if we get a half a dozen here. If we get more, it be great. But never give up. Winston Churchill, 1941, my worship leader, come to. Winston Churchill gave a speech in 1941. It was right during the middle of the heat of the war. Hitler was running rampant on Europe, had conquered most of the continent. And this little island in the middle of the ocean stood up and would not submit. And he comes in and he says this, never give in. Never give up. Never, 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 in nothing great or small, large or petty, never give up. Except to convictions of honor and good sense, never yield to force, never yield to the apparently overwhelming might of the enemy. Then he closed his manuscript, that was his entire speech, and walked off the stage. I want every head bowed and every eye closed.